Hey everybody, welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. This is my interview podcast where I interview people. Today I'm interviewing a friend and colleague. This is a person I've been trying to get on the show for a while now, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Amy Marshall. I'm a psychologist uh, living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, licensed in a couple of states doing some telehealth kind of stuff. Um, a lot with children, adolescents, but also just lifespan um, therapy and then uh, assessments for various things, uh, kind of whatever people need. A lot of rural mental health, so kind of whatever whatever people need and trying to get them the uh, support that they're going to need. Okay. Today we're talking about mental health in the media, how it's portrayed mm-hmm. and how media can be used um, for treatment, things of that sort. So why don't you go ahead and start by telling me a little bit about your experiences with mental health in the media? Sure. So um, media is kind of everywhere. You know, you kind of can't get away from it. So it's a it's a really powerful tool for things like education because like everybody has access to it. Um, one thing I see as a psychologist that is kind of a, a pet peeve of mine is that uh, they don't always take accurate information, whether that's portraying someone with a specific diagnosis, uh, portraying what treatment looks like, uh, what a therapist's role looks like, um, ethical practice, things like that. Um, I think that it can be a really great tool for getting information out to people, but I think that uh, we really need the the creators of that media to uh, prioritize the information being accurate and, and like helpful for people. So what do you think about people with mental health dis- disorders, like bipolar disorder in mm-hmm. particular, how it's portrayed mm-hmm. in like film and television? Often not accurately because I mean, I, I understand that the purpose of media is, you know, you need people to be consuming that media, otherwise you can't get the funding to create it. but. A lot of times, a lot of mental illnesses get portrayed like this person is crazy or this person is dangerous because of their diagnosis or um, their diagnosis makes them someone who can't be a good friend or a partner, which just is not true. Um, and, you know, symptoms being used as like plot devices instead of kind of accurately portraying how people are. What about how treatment is portrayed in the, in the media? Sure, and that it varies, but a lot of the time um, what we see for treatment uh, isn't really how treatment tends to go. Um, a, a big thing is most media portrayals of therapists show behaviors and choices that if, if I did them in my practice, I would lose my license for violating you know, ethical codes and things like that. Um, so that that part is very frustrating. I do wish that we could portray what ethical therapy looks like because I think that could be a really powerful tool for people to understand what to look for in a therapist. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand their rights when it comes to care that, that doesn't have, that, that doesn't uphold the ethics standards. Um, and not realizing if something is not okay. What are some examples of movies or TV shows that you can think of 
that you think portray mental illness in a positive light? Sure. Um, well, my favorite, honestly, for myself, uh, if you're familiar with the, the television show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, I'll be honest, when I first heard about it, I was, uh, I was prepared to hate it because I was like, why is it called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Like, that seems like it would be so stigmatizing. Um, but they end up portraying this, like, that treatment can be helpful for people, that people can be misdiagnosed and uh, that they can later on get an accurate diagnosis, that providers can provide ethical, helpful care, um, that people can have a mental illness but still, you know, get better um, and and you know show that improvement i felt like it was a um, that that one i think would be a personal favorite <laughs> one thing i've seen a lot of and especially crime shows is you have someone who is guilty of a crime before they've even mm -hmm. been committed because they have a mental illness and they bring mm -hmm. that up in the in the procedural like well they have a history of mental illness like they're automatically guilty right I don't like that. Um, statistically, people with a mental health diagnosis are actually more likely to be victims of crimes than we are to be perpetrators um, and are not more likely to be violent than people who don't have a diagnosis. What would you say are some of the most common unfair portrayals of mental illness in the media? I think violence is a big one um, because that that puts out there this idea that if someone has a diagnosis, oh, you know, you better watch out. They might try to hurt you. Um, and like those kinds of unfair assumptions. Uh, there's sometimes also portrayal that if you have a certain diagnosis that you, you shouldn't be taken seriously or that you don't know what you're talking about when it, it doesn't actually have an impact on whether or not someone, you know, can communicate their experience and things like that. Um, so, and uh, uh, I think on, on the flip side of it, because like I said, mental, mental health diagnoses don't make somebody more violent, but putting it as, oh, they can't help it, it's because of the diagnosis, also does a disservice because it communicates that someone with that diagnosis doesn't have the autonomy. And if it's, oh, they have this diagnosis, therefore they can't be held responsible for this bad behavior, um, you then get the flip side of that of, oh, they have this mental health diagnosis that automatically means that they aren't competent to have custody of their children. Uh, be in charge of their own bank account. Um, so it, it ends up being used as an excuse to take uh, take autonomy away from a lot of people. And I mean, yes, there are people who need support with things like money management or things like that. And, and there are people who might not be safe around their kids at the moment, but to automatically say, oh, okay, you have bipolar disorder, you have whatever diagnosis, that automatically means you can't do that. That does a disservice and can be weaponized to take autonomy away from someone. What mental illnesses are you, would you say are the ones that are the most misrepresented in the media? Um, well, I think that th there aren't a lot of mental illnesses that I see well portrayed. <laughs> 
Um, but I think some of what we call with like we we call it like kind of the more severe kind of symptom presentations. So um, I first kind of preface that all the diagnoses that I'm going to throw out there are things that are treatable, but some things are considered maybe more complex when it comes to figuring out the right treatment approach for someone. But I, I think a lot of things involving like psychotic kind of symptoms, so anything involving detachment of reality, um, detachment from reality, sorry, um, there's kind of that assumption of like, ooh, that's, that's scary, that's, um, that's going to make somebody be violent. So I think that that gets really um, kind of those out there representations. Um, also with personality disorders, there's a lot of stigma that if someone has that diagnosis, again, oh, they're going to be violent or they're going to be mean or terrible or bad and they, they can't be like a good person or, or the hero of the story because their diagnosis makes them awful, which is, again, not accurate. But also, you know, have if someone has one of those diagnoses and that's the image that they get, it's, you know, it's hard not to internalize that of like, okay, this is the kind of person that I am because the way that I see myself portrayed is just awful and always the bad guy. One example I can think of is a TV show, Shameless. They have a character okay. on there who's bipolar mm. and he sets a van on fire. Mm. Gives a very passionate speech. He's homosexual when he gives a very passionate speech about you know, gay marriage and he lights a van on fire because the van belonged to a conservative who was who had a kid they were trying to and put into conversion therapy. Ooh. And in the movie or in the T V show, they their family pressures him to plead insanity because he has bipolar disorder. Oh. And I was just wondering how accurate is that? Um oh well and I haven't seen Shameless. I've I've heard about it I, I hadn't heard about that particular scene but um insanity please now and i don't do a lot with the legal system that's not my um area of expertise but the insanity plea actually doesn't get used very often um and honestly doesn't get used successfully very often but basically that means you were in a mental state at the time of the crime that you weren't in control of your actions um, and it's very difficult to prove uh, that that you were in a place where you were fully not in control of what you were doing or the choices that you were making um, and then basically can't legally be held accountable because of being in that type of mental state. Um, and I mean, it's, it is possible during an episode to get to that point, um, but in the legal system, it's really difficult to successfully prove that. Um, and particularly to successfully prove I was legally insane when I committed this crime, but I'm not like, but I'm not now. Um, so a lot of times, uh, my understanding when that defense is used and the person is found not guilty by reason of insanity, um, there is still the need for the, the ongoing um, monitoring treatment care to make sure that they're able to stabilize and remain stable. Um, like, like I said, I'm not in the right. forensic side of things. I don't do, um, I, I had a colleague who did that type of evaluation, um, which sounds like it was very intense. Um, but uh, but the, it's, it's not very common. It gets portrayed as a lot more frequently used than it actually is. I was just going to say, it seems like on television, they're always 
clean and sound. Oh, sure. Sure, because it's interesting. <laughs> it makes for good TV. I'm not accountable. I was insane. Like, it's a it's an interesting plot. It's kind of like how in the in the courtroom dramas, everybody's, like, screaming and objecting, and there's a, the, the witness gives a big reveal on the stand that nobody knew about right before that moment, and, you know, when you actually go to court, it's an actual day in the courtroom is not an interesting TV show. So some some of it, I think, is writing, again, for the entertainment side of things, which, again, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't think anyone would probably watch a TV show that ac accurately showed what court looks like. Um, just like I don't think most people would watch a TV show about what what a day of therapy actually typically looks like just because it doesn't have that that entertainment aspect absolutely what would you say are some of the challenges that you face in combating stigma that we see in the media it's hard because people who have like internalized information through media often don't really question and kind of feel like, okay, I know I'm, I'm correct. This information is accurate. And, you know, if, if it's not, it can be very hard to um, correct that misinformation. Um, and uh, that, you know, there's kind of the idea, there's a lot of bad information out there about a lot of things. And a lot of people will kind of do the, well, you know, I did my own research. I looked it up myself. So I know what I'm talking about. And, and if you try to correct it as like, hey, I'm I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate, and and actually the the thing you're saying is not accurate. They're like, oh well, what what do you know? Like I I looked it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any examples of movies or TV shows that maybe don't get it right, but you think are close enough? I mean, the amount of inaccuracy varies. Um, I think that an important thing is uh, who created it and who did they consult. So if you're going to make a movie or you're going to make a show about a person who's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, how many people with bipolar disorder did you talk to about their experience to see what it's actually like to live with this diagnosis? Um, if you're going to portray that person going to treatment, what did you ask them about their experiences of treatment? Did you talk to anybody who, who treats bipolar disorder, you know, mental health professionals about what treatment actually looks like for that? Um, and I think that the responsible media is the one that um, first and foremost asks the community that they're representing about their experience. Um, I, ideally, someone from that community being the creator, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very in favor of kind of own voices kinds of stories that way. But if, if you're not and you're representing it, making sure that people from the community are having their experiences represented in a way that's respectful and accurate. Um, and then just as far as portraying things like symptoms, you know, asking someone who is a mental health professional okay did we did we get this right is this actually what this is and what this means um and you know i, I think uh and this is a little bit different because it's reality tv but there's um catfish the tv show uh had a 
person, I think last season, who talked about um, having a diagnosis of schizophrenia, and they were sharing their experience, and that I, it was great. I was like, oh, this person is talking about their experience of their symptoms, but then as they were being interviewed about their symptoms, uh, the the host interviewing them was like, oh, so it's like an intrusive thought, and I'm like, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's different than a hallucination. <laughs> You've got to make sure you're saying these accurately someone watching who has intrusive thoughts might think that they're hallucinating now because he said something inaccurate right <clears throat> but what? i did like that they had the person with schizophrenia saying hey here's my diagnosis and here's what it's like that person was sharing their own experience i was going to bring up schizophrenia but also did as examples of disorders that yes. in my experience and I, I am only an observer are mm -hmm. wildly inaccurately portrayed on television yes mm -hmm. DID I think because again the the goal of creating this type of media this type of entertainment is you want people to tune in you want people to watch and I think if you don't if, if you haven't lived it and you haven't been close to someone who's lived it DID makes for like if, if you know just a tiny bit about it it's kind of like oh this could make for this could make for a fun story but it's like it's not it's not a story or a plot point it's real people's real lives and so I think it just get they just kind of take it and run with it to be like oh we can make this you know we can make this story that's gonna sound really good on paper but not accounting for that there's like actual real humans um but you're, you're right, DID does get that, like movies like Split that, that'll say, you know, oh yeah, this this person, he, he's a good guy, but there's this other guy in his head who takes over and murders people. And so then if you are going about your life and you meet someone who's been diagnosed with DID, now your impression is, oh, you know, when's the murderer going to take over? And it, it's kind of, it, it hurts like real actual people. Right. My sister has DID, and it's it's not oh, sure. anything I mm -hmm. can put into words. Right, and you're like, it's not like in those movies. It's absolutely not like in the movies. Mm -hmm. Another example I think of is Batman. He's got a whole host of criminals that are yeah. often mm -hmm. can diagnosed with one thing or another, but then they have that Arkham mm -hmm. Asylum <clears throat> where yeah. you have these criminal... You basically have criminal psychiatrists running the running the joint. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's nothing realistic about Batman, but what do you think that right. does for the stigma? Absolutely, because and I I know nobody's reading Batman and thinking that Batman's like a real guy who's out there doing stuff, but the messages still come through, and that stigma still happens. I mean. You know, I, and I'm not, I, I only know a little bit about Batman. I'm not, um, I never got super into the comics or anything like that. But my understanding is they don't, they don't have like a prison. They just have Arkham Asylum. So the message there is every criminal is crazy. <laughs> every criminal has a mental illness and needs to be locked up because the mental illness makes them be violent and commit crimes and hurt people. Um, so you know, if that's the representation that you see of people who have a mental illness diagnosed, then there's that connection. Even though nobody's sitting there thinking that the Joker is a real guy somewhere, 
there's still that connection of, okay, diagnosis of a mental illness equals someone who is, commits crimes. Yes. I've, I've faced that. I have bipolar disorder, and I have faced oh, that okay. stigma in my life. People are like, well, you must be crazy mm -hmm. then. Well, mm -hmm. not necessarily. Right. And a lot of people, a lot of criminals, a lot of violent criminals don't have any diagnosis. And a lot of people with a diagnosis who are in the system are not for violent crimes. Uh, a lot of times it's, you know, drug related. Um, someone and, you know, it's a lot of people who don't have access to adequate care will self-medicate and uh, we've criminalized a lot of that so a lot of people get arrested for that um a lot of people with diagnoses that interfere with their ability to work uh, end up with you know and end up with unhoused and we criminalize being unhoused we criminalize homelessness so a lot of them who are in the system are, are in the system because they don't have anywhere to go so they get picked up for that um, when I was in college, I, I worked at Target, and it wasn't on my shift, but um, it was uh, in in the winter. It was very cold outside. Um, it was going to be like ten below that night, and so someone um, came in, um, was was very polite, and actually went up to a staff member and said, "I'm I'm not going to hurt anybody, and I just want you to know that I'm sorry," um, and then smashed a television and said, uh, you need to call the police, I'm, I'm breaking stuff, because he had nowhere to go. And he knew that if he got arrested, he could stay in jail overnight and not freeze to death. Wow. What are some of your um, favorite like movie psychiatrists? Um, well, I, I mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, Dr. Acopian. Well, there's there's two, actually. They're, they're both Dr. Acopian. They're, they're a married couple, and they're both psychiatrists. Um, I, I love both of them. <laughs> um, I think they really well represent, um, you know, compared, compared to everybody else, you know, obviously not perfect, but really well represent, like, ethical and, like, care with the, the right, like, appropriate boundaries and things like that. Um, because that, that's really hard to find and there's a lot of um, so in in mental health um, the ethics codes talk about what's called a dual relationship so basically um, I can't be the therapist or the evaluator if one of my friends wants to know if they have ADHD or something I can't be the one who tests them um, I can't be their therapist uh, so that because there's those specific boundaries of that relationship and a lot of movies and TV shows will portray like your therapist is also your friend or your the therapist like dates their clients and it's like that actually um, that happens uh, actually sexual misconduct is the number one uh, reason for losing their license. Um, so it's it's a thing that happens, but it, it is not okay and it's not acceptable. And um, if your therapist comes on to you sexually, that is not okay um, and is absolutely reportable. But when we present, like in movies and TV shows, therapists acting this way, 
real life clients might not realize. They might get in a situation and might not realize, hey, that's actually really inappropriate and unethical. Right. <clears throat> okay. What about what about reality? You brought up reality TV shows. Do we mm -hmm. see any reality mm -hmm. shows that portray mental illness well, or do they? Do you think they do a good job screening those people out before they get there? Um, I think it depends on the show. I do like when there's the opportunity for someone to share their own actual experience. Um, but I think it does still come through edited and filtered. Um, and th this isn't the shows themselves, but if you follow certain, like, if you follow the tags as things are occurring on social media, there's always people armchair diagnosing. Um, so I, I do wish we could move away from that as, as a society, that if someone's on a reality show and they're behaving a certain way, to, for people not to be jumping on, oh, they must have such and such. Like, that's... Uh, <laughs> We don't diagnose people that we have not actually evaluated um, because, you know, again, again, they'll, they'll cut, they can cut, you know, if you followed me with the camera 24 seven for several weeks, you could get enough footage to cut it in a way to make me look however you wanted. You know, you can cut things down, you can edit, you can, um, right. so it, uh, I, I do like when it's acknowledged, um, in like a respectful way and the person with the diagnosis has the opportunity to be like here's what i have and here's what my experience is and kind of presenting it you know on their own terms if that makes sense okay i've seen on youtube a lot there are a lot of psychiatrists mm -hmm. and therapists out there who do mm -hmm. videos where they try mm -hmm. to explain mental illness or they try to offer advice Mm -hmm. Do you think there's some value in doing that with people who actually have the mental illness? For example, someone with bipolar disorder? I think so. Um, we, we have to remember that everyone's experience is going to be unique. So someone coming up, whether it's a person with the diagnosis or whether it's a mental health professional saying, here's what this looks like, just remembering that there's not one experience that's going to encompass everybody. Um, but I think it is it is helpful for people to be able to see others sharing their experience and maybe sharing things that were helpful for them. Um, you know, I, I know you were saying bipolar disorder, uh, but there's uh, how to ADHD is a um, a woman with ADHD talking about her life and her experience and her symptoms. And I know a lot of people with ADHD have found that channel really validating to say, oh, I do that too. And oh, that's something that helped you. Here's something that helped me. Um, I think that having people share their own experience like that, if, if they're comfortable with it, um, can help with some of that stigma because a lot of it historically has been, you don't talk about it. Um, why would you want someone to know that you have bipolar disorder, that you have ADHD, that you have schizophrenia? Like, why would you want to share that information with other people? You need to keep that to yourself. But I think people being out there like that can counter the misinformation because you get real people saying, actually, here's what it's like to live with my diagnosis. Um, and it, it removes some of the shame of it that, yes, I have this diagnosis. Um, and I'm, I'm not hiding it from anybody. Like, it's okay to talk about it. I really like the channel Polar Warriors. He 
goes mm. through and and explain explains what his experiences were like in detail. Sure. And he breaks them down into individual videos. So like he'll do a video mm -hmm. on <clears throat> what hypomania is like, and he'll do a video on over sure. over sexuality, or a video on mm -hmm. eating too much, things mm -hmm. like that. And he he ties it all back together to his his bipolar. But he also sure. he's very good about saying that his experiences are not typical so don't sure you know, don't think that just because someone has bipolar that they're going to act this way or that way right but can just kind of normalize a, a real experience and you know with with the cat not everybody's unique but just here's what it's really like and not how can we present this in a way that's got entertainment value right do you think that reality TV can be used in a way to pres to educate people on mental health illnesses? I think it could. I, I think you run into, though, because the difference between, like, a reality TV show and a YouTube channel is that anybody can make a YouTube channel. Um, but with a reality show, they're not going to get renewed unless they keep their viewing up. So I think making it entertaining and making it you know, palatable to the advertisers wins out over giving accurate information or useful or helpful information. Um, so I think it absolutely can be, but um, but I would, uh, you know, <laughs> it worries me a little bit because I don't think that their um, priority is getting good information out there. Their priority is the ratings, which, I mean, I, I understand why it's that way, but that just means that I wouldn't necessarily trust them to be the leading experts on that. <clears throat> I don't have a lot of experience with this, but I watch a lot of documentaries, but I don't sure. see a lot of documentaries on mental illnesses in, in general. You just see a lot of examples of serial killers, and then someone will say, oh yeah, and yeah. by the way, they had schizophrenia, or they were also bipolar, mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you, you tie that to the, here's a serial killer that has X. X must mean serial mm -hmm. killer. Sure. Because even documentaries need the funding and need the, you know, people people need to watch this. Um, so it's not, again, it's if you took the average, average, whatever that means, like, if, if you took like a, a typical average experience of a person just living their life and they happen to have bipolar disorder, um, it's, it's just frankly not interesting enough to make a documentary about. But serial killers were like, oh, they murdered people. Why would they do that? And it's like outside of that like typical experience and stories about your average typical person are just not interesting enough to make it into the media, I think. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Of all the different media types that we have with streaming and YouTube and film and television and documentaries, etc., what ones do you think are the most suitable for dealing with mental health issues? Um, I think, well, I, I do like that people can become content creators just on their own. Um, because I, I do like that that gives people the option to speak to their own story and in their own words, in their own voice, um, versus anything that requires like a production team is then going to be filtered through. We need all these different people to approve of it and have it be like entertaining enough. Okay. 
what advice do you have to somebody who is studying to be a psychiatrist but they're also watching movies and television shows and they're you know getting that stigma in their own mind like what they should expect realistically sure i think uh, like psychiatrists specifically or psychiatrists psychologists lpc everybody in general okay so i mean i think that it is good to be aware of what's out there because my clients are seeing it uh, my potential clients are seeing it so it's, it's good for us to know how these things are being represented but to make sure that that's not where we're getting our information um, and being aware of what's inaccurate kind of basically analyzing it um, actually speaking of Batman one of my grad school classmates actually did his dissertation on mental health stigma and portrayals of, of the Joker in Batman um, so I, I think that that critical analysis of it and us recognizing here's here's what they're presenting, um, here's what's accurate, here's what's inaccurate, and here's how that's impacting the people that we're here to serve. Um, I think that awareness is important. So um, just that kind of that critical awareness and analysis as we're as we're consuming that media. Okay. Coming back to a. Uh more academic note you brought up a mm -hmm. good point that I wanted to ask earlier what is the sure. difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist sure so a psychiatrist has a, an MD or a, a DO so a medical doctorate uh, with the specific training in psychiatry so psychiatrists do get some training in um, assessment and therapy and some do offer some of that service uh, but they're able to prescribe medication um, and will will often be the the specialist that someone is sent to if they need medication for something like bipolar disorder schizophrenia uh, depending on the situation, depression, anxiety, stuff like that. So uh, they, they have that extensive training specifically in the medication and in the prescribing. Um, I'm a psychologist, and so I have a doctorate of psychology, uh, which can be either doctorate of psychology or PhD in psychology. Um, I have the PsyD, so uh, again, just the doctorate of psychology with the clinical focus. And so I get the extensive training in psychological assessment, uh, different tools and diagnostics to determine and differentiate um, diagnoses that might have similar symptoms, um, and then that that uh, more clinical training in in like the ongoing therapy treatment kind of services. So um, both very important roles and sound similar and have some overlap. Um, but uh, just the, the different that I, I know like a little bit about meds uh, from what my clients are on and from consulting with psychiatrists, but I wouldn't be able to write someone a prescription. Okay. And getting back to how things are portrayed in the media, my last question, or my next, I guess my next question is, how do you use or can you use film as escapism for as a treatment? Like as a coping skill? Yes. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, media and entertainment are great for 
you know, relaxing, decompressing. I, I love to throw something on at the end of the day to help me come down from my day. Um, and, you know, may or may not have any type of mental health theme. Uh, depending on the day, I don't want to watch something that has any kind of mental health theme because um, I just kind of want to let that be out of my brain for a little while. Um, I mean, like any skill, if it becomes like I'm never going to sit back and, and feel my own feelings or address my own stuff, then sure, that can be um, that can be a, an, an issue on that end. But it can absolutely be a way to kind of um, let yourself let go of your own stuff for a little while. Do you think we as a culture have gotten too used to escapism? Um, Especially maybe? with the rise of superhero movies and fantasy and fairy tale taking prominence over reality? I mean, it's, it's easier to access it now, I guess, because we're not really alone with our thoughts ever. Um, it, it'd be hard to say if it's too much or not, uh, but uh, making sure that we do take, you know, the, make make sure we circle back to making sure we're still addressing our own stuff. Okay. Do you think that we'll ever come to a point where we don't have such a stigma around mental illness where as soon as you see a, a shooting somewhere, the first question you ask is what disease do they have? I hope so. Um, I, I very much hope so. I, I think it has improved a little bit, but nowhere near enough. Um, and I think the fact that people can share their own experience of not being violent while living with the diagnosis um, has helped with that. But I, I think we still have a very, very long way to go. And I, I hope we can get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Last, last comment I have, I guess, or question I have is I know in the in the news media in particular, they like to use mental illness as a scapegoat. Yep. Um, and they like to do it, like any, especially anytime there's a violent crime, it's immediately like, well, they had a history of mental illness, but they never go yep. into the details. How dangerous do you think that, or irresponsible do you think that is for the journalists? I do think it is irresponsible, and I think that uh, um, news outlets reporting on mental illness do need to have some responsibility for how they're portraying it that is it's not an excuse and if someone who has the diagnosis does commit a crime it's not like oh okay they had a diagnosis that diagnosis is why they committed that crime i feel like that is pretty irresponsible um i i think and i um i don't know if this has gotten worse over time or not but i think a lot of news kind of tries to pull for again what's going to get us the clicks what's going to get us the viewers what's going to get us the ad revenue mm -hmm. instead of what is the best information to give to people um actually uh, a couple of years ago there was a, a situation that there, there was a psychologist in my area um who was going through some severe mental health stuff um and had uh had gotten to the point of being suicidal and had left a a suicide note for their spouse and somehow the local newspaper got their hands on this note and they published it and they just like without commentary or context were just like here's here's the note and not even the whole thing but like here's some quotes from that note and it was just 
horribly irresponsible on their part. First of all, why did you need to share something so deeply personal to this person? I seriously doubt they gave you consent to publish that. But just second of all, um, this person in the midst of an episode, but being presented by this newspaper as here's some stuff that a psychologist said, um, I, I think is is very harmful. And I think that it, the focus of journalism needs to be on getting the best information to people, even if it's not the most exciting or like flashy headline information. Yeah, as a as a journalist myself, I worked with that mm-hmm. a lot. There was that balance mm-hmm. of you want to get you want to write a well written article, but you also want a headline that's sure. going to get people to read it. Right, and I know some journalists who do a wonderful job. Um, and who who do prioritize that? I just it, um, it it angers me and frustrates me when I see situations where where I'm like that's not that's not accurate, <laughs> but it's flashy. So I guess I guess we opted for flashy instead of fact checking. Yeah, that unfortunately is a big problem in the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, that's every uh, question or comment I had. Do you have any mm-hmm. final thoughts you want to share? Um, I, I like well, I don't. I I know that I can sometimes when I'm focusing on the the negative, it can come across very like, oh, we're screwed. Everything's terrible. Um, I just want to highlight that I I have seen improvements as far as stigma, and there have been better examples of mental health and you know different diagnoses portrayals over the years. I, I don't think it's perfect and I think we still have a long way to go, but I guess just highlighting that hopeful note of, of that there has been some improvement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. And where can people find you? Sure, um, so I have a, a blog, uh, resiliencymentalhealth.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Amy Marshall. Um, and then Twitter, uh, at Dr. Amy Seide. I'm most active on Twitter, uh, but my blog also shares to the Facebook page. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on my show. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me.